Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio Told Like It Is and where you can get your culture to go. I'm Frank Crivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing on this Sunday evening? It's a lot of action going on this weekend, huh? Uh, what a busy weekend. Boy, Serie A never fails to disappoint. And once again, they have uh, delivered the goods, uh, if you will. What a weekend um, yeah. of, of Serie A. And we still have one more game to go, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Venezia and Torino will wrap it up for us here on Monday. But man, alive, five, 11, I couldn't have, I couldn't have picked a better weekend to be incapacitated, unable to move. Uh, than to sit down and watch the couch. I'll watch all these games. I, uh, I'm not here supporting Lazio with this cane. My goodness. Sur- I actually had a knee surgery on Thursday morning. So I've been immobile lately. Not immobile, but immobile. And uh, so, yeah, I got to watch all the games and watch uh, Immobile do his thing in the derby. So, yeah. yeah. You, you, you wrote all of this before we came on, didn't you? <laughs> You would think, wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, you did. Just admit it. It's okay. It. <laughs> we're we're all we're all we're all friends. You you tried. Uh, <laughs> so. George is in the house. What's up, George? <laughs> George and Anthony. Anthony got so excited he sent us a comment before we even went on the air. It's Love like, it. Love it. You know, that's that's the kind of enthusiasm we get from the Serie A sit down followers. Knowledgeable people, um, guys that know their stuff, and and and, and certainly listening to us, and uh, you know. Um, so I guess there's I, I I you texted me something about uh, you know some other guys that are now going to get to do content Serie A content and you know all of this other stuff they 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 picked the great but anyway I you know I'm not going to get too much into it because I I, I don't want to start I don't want to start any shit <laughs> so um, you're so fired up from the derby I love it I love it. I am fired up from this. Roman or Lazio supporter, I love it. I am fired up from this Darby. I mean, I tell you what, it's anytime, you know, boy, Jose Mourinho. Every time he gets into a first Darby, because I, I, I was there for his last first Italian Darby uh, when it was Milan and Inter. So, uh, you know, back in two thousand and eight. So he knows uh, love and appreciation from Australia, gents. Frank Resorto in the house. Frank, good to have you with us. Sun is probably coming up where he lives right now, I would imagine. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I like it. I like yep. it. But we like the uh, we like the dedication. Or are they there? They're twenty three hours ahead of us, so it might be evening where he is. So, yeah, I never figured that out. Frank, you let us know. You let us know what time it is where you're at. Yeah, I mean, we got we got people all the way from Australia, you know, showing us love. You, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. So. Let's not waste any time. Okay, we we've got a packed show. It was an eventful weekend in City. Yeah, Thirty three goals in nine games that we've got to break down and cover, and what we saw in these nine games. Um, we are going to preview the uh, Champions League and Europa League teams uh, coming up and their prospects, their games. With all due respect to Roma, we're not going to cover Conference League. Um, there's, I mean, there's not much to cover. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, and then we will finish, as always, with the world's most famous hashtag game. Who won Calcio Twitter? It is 10.30 a.m. in Australia right now. That bravo, is bravo. 15 hours ahead of us. So, yeah, he's, he's checking this out, and he's going to get ready to have a little lunch. So, going uh, to have a uh, martini with your lunch there, Frank? Nothing like to Let make us it know. They go quicker, you know, listening to us here. So why didn't we live in that? T- why didn't we live in that time? I would have been so into the three martini lunch thing. Oh, <laughs> so I mean, you guess like, you guess you can still do it. It's not going to be. It'll be frowned upon, but you know, yeah. <laughs> Could, would have, wouldn't have gotten a damn thing done in the afternoon. So anyway, it's what it is. Well, any, enough chatter. Let's get into it. Uh, 
Darby Della Capitelli. Do we still have the most goals so far? A 21, 21 season between the four big. I'm just going to assume that we do, George. Um, Lazio and Roma. Uh, Saudi's first Darby with Lazio. Ro- Darby Della Capitelli. Mourinho's first Darby Della Capitelli. So uh, let's get into the lineups. Pepe Reina was in goal. Uh, back four of Marusic, Luis Felipe, Francesco Echerbi, El Side Husay seems to be par for the course with what. Uh, Saudi does, with the exception of maybe Lazzari playing in that right back position, back, three man midfield. Continues to think that Lucas Leva can stop uh, people f- coming forward, so he keeps putting them there. And then he's got Sergey and uh, Luis Alberto flanking him. Um, short blacks only. Okay, that fair enough. <laughs> so you're doing something, Frank. Appreciate it. All right. So uh, Lucas Leva flanked by Luis Alberto and Sergei Milinkovic Savic, and then Chiro Immobile up top, flanked by Pedro and Felipe Anderson. Saudi ball, Saudi's 4 3 3. Thoughts? Yeah, it was uh, obviously, you know, with the insertion of Lucas Leva. I mean, who else are they going to put on? We did talk with Jerry Mancini uh, during episode 200 about. You know who would who could take Lucas's place, and you know we I think the consensus was Cataldi's got to be the guy. Um, he seems the guy who's most logical to be able to fit into that role based on who they have currently. Uh, but yeah, see Lucas there wasn't was not a surprise. I think for me the surprise was Pedro getting the start and starting on the left wing. Um, not not that he's not he's incapable of playing that position. It's just that um, I think maybe his best position for me is going to be in that midfield three, but it's gonna, always going to be hard with the midfield that they have. Um, and how do you remove Lucas and insert Pedro and still have, you know, SMS and Luis Alberto who plays a defensive role there. But, uh, I mean, that's the only thing that really stood out for me. Uh, but yeah, it's an overall fairly straight up lineup for me. And, um, yeah, I, I thought it was going to be an interesting way to see how they would line up against Roma. What were your thoughts on uh, Lazio's lineup? Nothing terribly surprising. I mean, the continued reliance on Leva is kind of surprising to me. Um, you know, Lazzari starting from the bench, he, you know, he was available. Uh, but I think it's Pedro by default right now um, on the left side of that front three. When you take a look at what's available, um, you know, Sakanye's out, Adekanye's out, uh, and and not a game that, you know, you want to have uh, Raul Morrow taking part in just yet. So um, you seem to have an admirer in the chat there, Richard. Um, Cliff is in the house. Good to see you, Cliff. Good to see you, Cliff. So, you know, my biggest concern when I look at this lineup is Leva. And I'm always going to be concerned about whose side because I just don't think he's very good. Um, But Saudi seems to have a a little bit of a, you know, confidence in him. So, you know, it's what it is. Uh, But those would probably be the two biggest concerns I had with the lineup. Um, Moving over to Roma, Rui Patricio in goal. Been very, very reliable so far. This season was not reliable in this game. We'll talk about that momentarily. A back four of Karsdorp, Mancini, Ibanez, and Matias Vigna getting the start. Calafiori had been trusted uh, in that role, and I don't even think he made the substitutes bench. Was he out? I think he was out. Uh, not out, but not I available. Was, I think he was on the bench, oh, but I don't think he, he was on the bench. All. Yeah. yeah, didn't play. Uh, Veritu and Cristante tasked with protecting that back four uh, with uh, El Shirawi, Mikatarian, Zaniolo, uh, with Tammy Abraham up front. Uh, the notable omission is Lorenzo Pellegrini, and it wasn't an omission. He was suspended. Did Mourinho pick the right team, uh, given that they were going to have to give this a go without Pellegrini, who had been outstanding since the beginning of the season? 
Um, I mean, it's as good as you can do. I, you know, I wasn't too bothered by the lineup. I think, you know, obviously having uh, Vina in there instead of um, Cagliari is going to be a, a questionable. Some people are going to argue that, especially the way the young men's been playing lately. But overall, I think uh, the lineup is it was a good one for me, and I, I was curious to see. I thought Roma would be able to dictate play with the team that they had out there. Um, obviously, the game transpired differently, but. Um, I, w- I thought it was a fine lineup. Uh, wh- did you think there's someone else they could have brought in there, maybe change up the lineup a little bit to make it uh, more in Re- Roma's favor? I mean, I think El Sarawi was reasonable uh, for the shift that he put in in this game. I don't know if I would have gone there. I, that's fair. That's fair. I, that's probably the one that I would have struggled with because I don't know if – I like Mkhitaryan coming from that left-hand side. Um, you know – I think that he can cause a heck of a lot more problems. I think that he would have kept Mart. I, I get the idea of, you know, being the guy that creates the problems for Lucas Leva through the middle. Um, I, I, you know, I get what Mourinho's thinking with that. I just think Mkhitaryan's better when he's attacking from a flank. You know, down the middle, he can kind of get himself into a crowd. And I just don't think that that's, you know, what's reasonable for him. I would have... You know, do you start a game then? But then you got to ask the question, do you start? Maybe you advance Veritu further forward in that central role and you you, you partner Diawara with Cristante, for example. Do you take your chances at having Shemurudov up front with Abraham and, and maybe having a hole there? You know, so I think that this was probably the safest way that Mourinho could approach this. I would have liked to have seen a tweak there. I, I would have gone... You know, and it's hindsight being hindsight being twenty twenty. I think I would have liked Virtu a little bit more advanced, maybe playing the Pellegrini role. Uh, El Sharawi coming off the bench, Mkhitaryan over to the left. I would have probably liked the prospect of Diawara, you know, offering a little bit more protection and tackling and defending, uh, you know, from the midfield. I like that shot about Veritu probably playing more an advanced role. What we're seeing from him is he is slowly becoming one of the better midfielders of the Serie A. Uh, and to see him more in a more advanced role when Pellegrini's not there, I think would have been interesting to see. I mean, he, he obviously had his footprints in the game, but, you know, if he was more advanced, maybe he creates more opportunities for, for Tammy and the rest of the team. Um, yeah, I like that shot. Okay. Um, this game was interesting the way it was constructed. I mean, Roma was having more of the possession and the chances. It was Lazio on the break. And they would get their goal. Um, it was uh, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic uh, rising highest, rising best, and taking one for the team, literally, uh, on a cross by Felipe Anderson, scoring a goal of the week candidate to put Lazio ahead by a goal to nil. And then 19 minutes in, another counterattack after Zaniola thought he was fouled in the penalty area. He wasn't. Um, Lazio hits on the break. It's through Immobile, who takes on Mancini. Uh, Mancini has all sorts of trouble dealing with him. The supporting defender slides over to try to give Mancini some help. That opened up the pass going across, and Pedro was there to slot it home 2-0. Um, I mean, I think that uh, you, you look at these opening 20 minutes and, and you look at how Roma played, and it really wasn't that terrible except for the two goals they conceded. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the counterattack was on for Lazio, and Lazio were, you know, the limited opportunities they had, they were clinical, right? Uh, that goal, that, that counterattack goal for that second one was brilliant. And, you know, Pedro slotted home, great shot by him. And then him going to celebrate against his former team. you got to love to see that during the derby. Uh, but, yeah, you know, like you said, Immobile was, you know, big early on throughout the, throughout the whole game, really. And Lazio, you know, this is – we've seen this from Sarri before where his team – if his team doesn't have possession, they make you pay when, you know, when they do get the limited opportunities. 
in, in those games that they're being outpossessed. And you saw it here. They were very clinical. And in a game like this magnitude, you want your team to be you know, scoring goals and the, the small opportunities they have. And Lazio came out brilliantly, I thought, uh, the way they did this. And, you know, Roma thought they probably got sucker punched big time with those two goals. But, uh, hey, that's uh, that's football. That's derbies. Uh, it doesn't matter the form. You throw that all the window when you play in the rivalries here. And so, uh, yeah, big punch in the mouth for uh, for Roma in this one. And I wouldn't necessarily say that Lazio were shithousing, you know, which is a term that we like to no, use no, where you're no, just, you know, I mean, basically what Genoa does 90 minutes at a time um, under Ballardini. I, I think that they were, I think they were confronting Roma in key spots in the pitch. It wasn't like they were parking, you know, eight, nine guys behind the ball and then just trying to spring on the break. I think that Lazio were, Lazio had some intent about them when they had it. Um and I think that their confrontation was a little bit further up. It wasn't what you would, you know, again, it, it wasn't shithousing by any stretch of the imagination. Countered in some really nice spots. Roma were still dangerous and creating some chances. And this is why you have Veratu out there. And when Pellegrini's out, Veratu's on the sets, takes the corner. Rodri Banya's with the goal. Uh, 41st minute, uh, making it 2-1. Really... A goal that Roma deserved. Um, it would have been a shame on Roma's behalf to go into halftime 2-0 down. No, for sure. It was a big goal. And, and I think many still thought the way that game was going where Roma had all these opportunities yet not scoring goals, that that goal would catapult them into possibly a, a victory role where they would feast off of that uh, and continue on with that momentum. Unfortunately, I think that goal came a little too early for them it came up before halftime had it happened right after halftime i think it'd been a different story but we had that 15 minute break that kind of threw away that momentum that they gained at the end and sometimes we've seen teams many times teams carry it over but not in this case apparently uh so yeah uh good goal got them right back in the game but uh still a long way to go yep yep so 2-1 at halftime um you know in the first half stats were indicative of what we were talking about you know roma slight edge in possession outshot Lazio eight to three. That was three on target to Lazio's two that they scored. Um, uh, six zero on the corner count. So clearly it was a game that Roma controlled, but Lazio took advantage, um, you know, of some of some frailties there from Roma, of some defensive issues and counterattacking situations, um, you know, and in certain key areas where Roma could lose the ball, that you know Lazio took advantage of that. So uh, going into the second half. Um, possession started to balance out a little more. Actually, Lazio kind of grew into this game and we're kind of looking for the goal that was going to do it. And then Roma got into a period of keeping it and that sort of thing. And that's where Lazio would spring again on the break. Uh, and Chiro Immobile again. I mean, I got to give him a lot of credit, you know, and, and I don't I don't see shirking the responsibility in either the Pedro goal or this goal here by Felipe Anderson. I see intelligent forward play where you draw all of the attention, which you knew he was going to do, which you knew Mourinho was going to expect his defenders to do. And that was just going to open other people up. And Pedro did a brilliant job on his goal. And in this case, Felipe Anderson does a brilliant job finding the space that's undefended and Chiro Immobile with the presence of mind to get it over there. I mean, and again, two assists for Chiro Immobile and people might that didn't watch this game say, ah, Chiro's shirking the responsibility because he's struggling to score goals lately, uh, you know, for club and country. Um, not the case at all here. Uh, no, no. These were two excellent assists, and I think that Chiro Immobile deserves a lot of credit for his performance, uh, and in particular, Felipe Anderson, who assisted the Milinkovic-Savic goal and then scores here, deserved the goal on his display as well. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, both Immobile and uh, Felipe Anderson, arguably men of the match performances by both of them. Uh, Immobile in particular, like you said, he's not shirking responsibilities. He's doing what a good forward should do. And if you feel like you're not going to get a goal, find someone else who's going to be open. And that's what a good forward does. And he did. He found he found um, Felipe Anderson on the counterattack. Well done by Felipe Anderson. You know, we talked about all these formations and where guys line up. Felipe Anderson, he's been mostly a left-wing guy, and it's been his bread and butter. And yep. now under Sarri, he's on the right-wing side, and he's flourishing under this, right? Yep. And you saw that with that late run, Immobile. He, he watched Immobile, and all the defenders are you know, shifting towards him, and he just kept making that run. Immobile found him, uh, and he put it away brilliantly. And, and oh, Felipe Anderson had a great game, like you said, and a goal and assist, um, wonderfully played by him. And both those gentlemen, uh, big reasons why uh, Lazio – uh, we're in a uh, front foot advantage uh, because of those two. Yep, yep, definitely agree with that. And uh, uh, there would be a penalty um, for Roma, Jordan Veratu scoring there, uh, making it in the 69th minute, making it 3-2. Did you, were you okay with that penalty? Because uh, to be honest, that's one of the weakest penalties I saw this weekend, in my opinion. And I, I might get some hate from the Roman fans, but I, I thought it was a fairly weak a weak play. Akpro uh, just came into the game. He was running alongside Zaniolo. It looked like Zaniolo when he went to kick it, kicks Akpro. Akpro was just running. It was. I mean, I didn't. To me, I didn't see a penalty. Um, I can see why they gave it. Was close, I guess. But what about you? Did you think it was a, a good call? Oh, um, obviously, in lifetime you're thinking, oh, penalty. But the more I saw in replay, I'm like, this is not a penalty. I mean, it didn't matter in the game, but it could have. Yeah, this it's a it's it, it, this is another spot that you're in where it's damned if you do, damned if you don't call it. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was a penalty. I guess he's just like, fuck it, call it. <laughs> I'm with you. I don't think it was a penalty. Um, but uh, apparently they saw enough to go ahead and make the call. So, sure. Sure. um, it's what it is. That's how the scoring would finish. I thought at 3 2, over 20 minutes left, I thought there'd be at least a goal from both teams. In fact, the way this game was going, um, and just kind of the way, yeah, the match developed. Um, with Roma trying to create a lot and Lazio doing a lot of that on the counter. Um, beautiful game to watch. Uh, they put on a, they put on a show Lazio three Roma two. Does the, I still don't change my opinion about either of these teams. I like the trajectory that Roma's on under Mourinho. This was a brain fart game for them. Um, that's the way that I'm going to look at it. And then the same way with Lazio, I still think there's growing pains under Saudi. I still think that this is a a game that could have very easily gone Roma's way um, and not Lazio's way. So I'm not – it's a great win for Lazio. Congratulations to them. Congratulations to the supporters. But my opinions of these teams don't change. I picked Roma for top four. I picked Lazio for eighth. I, I It's a great win for Lazio, but I don't think – all of their problems got solved by winning this derby. Is this a confidence builder for them? Is this a step forward for them? Absolutely. I think that when when Roma analyzed this game, when Mourinho really, really breaks this down, he's going to look at it and he says, guys, Lazio had three quality attacks where we screwed up and got punished. You know, yeah. and I, knowing the kind of understanding or kind of having an appreciation for Mourinho's tactical acumen, I expect him to fix this. You know, and I expect Roma to respond. Um, Did you hear his comments after the game, blaming the referee and VAR and all that stuff? It's like, dude, you got beat. This, this. Yeah, you got to own it. You got to own it. You got to own it. You were deficient. He always does this, though. 
you were deficient in a very critical component of the game and you were deficient in it three times, not just once where, okay, Hey, it happened. Let's, let's regroup. Let's make sure we cover it and don't let it happen again. Three times. Um, so for me, I, I, I still, I, I still say Roma's a top four team. I still say Lazio's eighth. I, I, I think that highly of Fiorentina that, that I think that Roma's uh, Lazio is going to be the, victim out of what we call the seven sisters uh you know at this expense of Fiorentina does this performance and does this result change anything for how you feel about these two teams I think this validates how I how I think about these two teams in a sense that I think neither of these teams are going to be in top four in my opinion I thought both teams would be improved under the managers uh, mm-hmm. and both teams would have learning curves uh and we've seen that already with Lazio this season they you know they've struggled in some games that they probably shouldn't have and uh, games against, you know, Milan, for example, and they, and they got beat there. Um, and then Roma lost to Hellas last week. You expect them to bounce back in the Derby big game, and they really didn't look that they didn't look that great, honestly. You know, they got yeah. they two goals that, you know, say what you want with the penalty, but, you know, Lazio outperformed them. Uh, so yep. both these teams are where they're at. You know, the Derby is going to be different. It's a different animal. We all know this for any Derby, but uh, both these teams are going to be good. But when it comes to, like you said, the Seven Sisters, I think, you know, of the Seven Sisters, for me, they're probably going to be, uh, towards the lower end of that, I think, uh, you know, you don't don't forget about Juve. They're going to come back to this picture. Well, obviously, with the performance they had today, but um, Roma, Lazio, they're going to be better defensively in all aspects of the game. But there's still so much quality at the top of the table right now. You can't afford to make mistakes. And both these teams are making them at the moment. Doesn't mean they won't correct it, but I, I don't see either of these teams in the top four. So, like I said, it kind of validates how I feel at the moment. And that could obviously change. I, I'm not I'm not smart or anything so <laughs> and 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 this is where i wonder I, i'm gonna just let that comment pass i i, I don't need to add to that um, <laughs> thank you thank you i appreciate it <laughs> this is where and this is where i make the comment when i looked at roma's lineup and say how about diawara and Cristante? i mean cristante is or yeah. diawara in for cristante a lot of criticism on cristante and his performance yep. in this game too and rightfully so um but you know, a Diawara Cristante or even a Diawara Veritu partnership in front of the back four. And there might just be a lack of trust with Diawara at this point, you know, from, from Mourinho that that's why it didn't happen. So that's a curious one to me because I think Diawara would have played a position in that midfield where maybe some of that counterattacking activity from Lazio would have gotten diffused. Um, I'm not saying that he would have been the guy that stopped all three of those goals, but I think he would have probably been more disruptive as a guy that protects his defenders uh, than what Mourinho called out. You know, Veritu you've got in there for for his passing. You know, he's he's reasonable on the tackle. I mean, he's obviously excellent on the set piece, and you need him for that with no Pellegrini. Um, Cristante, w- w- what is he these days? I mean, clearly he's not a center back because, no. you know, Paulo Fonseca was out of a job because of that. Yeah. Um, he's definitely and better then, as a midfielder, but he didn't yeah. play well at all. No, yeah, so... So it was a, 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 you know, a nightmare for him. And, uh, you know, I think that Mourinho can probably just chalk this up to a bad day and just say, look, they, they have zero points because of, and he should stop blaming the referees. <laughs> they have zero points because they were deficient in a very critical area that Lazio took advantage. And that's that's how this game got decided. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. So, Will he ever do that? I don't know. Probably. Yep. We'll find out. I, I, I'm not there on as, as long as Maurizio Sarri keeps starting Lucas Leva, I am not there with Lazio. Yep. <laughs> so I'm just not. Yeah. So neither of these teams are complete where the managers want yet, but they, they'll get there. That's mm-hmm. it's growing pains for sure. Yep. 
so many so many great games this weekend, Richard. There was another uh, key game between uh, you know two of the uh, seven sisters. Let's uh, talk about that one. Yeah, this uh, this one was going to be Inter against Atalanta, and yeah, you know, you look at it going into the season. This is, is a great matchup, right? The, the reigning champions against a team which is you know the sexy European player. Uh, they do so well in Champions League. They score goals. They're just great to the eye. Um, but you know, so far into the season, you know, one could argue that Atalanta are maybe not where they're playing at yet. They're, they're not playing to that level just yet. We've talked about how you know this this early in the season they tend to focus more on Champions League than, than Serie A. But you knew in a game of this magnitude, you knew Gasparini would have his team ready for this game here. Um, and so look at the lineups of both these two teams: uh, Handanovic in goal for Inter. Uh, they go with obviously a back three: Skriniar, De Vrij, and Bastoni. Uh, midfield of Darmian, Varela, Brozovic, Talanolu, and Perisic. With up top, you had uh, Lautaro and uh, Edin Dzeko. No big surprises for me, Frank. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on the uh, starting eleven by um, by Inter in this one? Yeah, there's 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 not much to be surprised by here. Darmian over Dumfries was curious. Um, yeah, that would have been my only one, I think. But uh, you know, and then you can probably also make the conversation about. I mean, I think we're getting to a point where DeMarco over DeMarco and Perisic, but I think you can flip a coin between these two right now with where they're at. I mean, I think Perisic probably uh, plays with more power, um, you know, in terms of how he runs with the runs with the ball, how he runs off the ball. Um, where DeMarco is a crosser, um, he's a he's kind of a technician. He's not a not necessarily a take on artist by any stretch, but he's a guy that finds himself in very dangerous positions. He's not somebody that's, he's not someone that's forcing his way into those positions brutally. So that's probably what he went with a guy like a Perisic who, you know, knowing maybe anticipating that Zappacosta was going to start opposite of him, that that was an advantage for Inzaghi to play a guy like Perisic who can keep Zappacosta home, keep him honest, keep him from wanting to venture forward. Because if you're playing, because that's the difference, you know, Perisic is going to attack the right. the end line, you know, with the ball, without the ball. DiMarco's not going to do that. And and then and, and that's a subtle difference between the characteristics of those two players. By DiMarco not doing that, he's more prone to sit back further, which is going to give Zappacosta license to push forward more too. So the Perisic start for me is one that helps keep Zappacosta honest and keep him at home for Atalanta on the other side. Let me ask you this: You brought up you brought up uh, DiMarco. Uh, I, I saw that at, at the end of the game, he came off for Bastoni, and so the question is: Then would you have Bastoni sit and have DiMarco take his place, or would you have Perisic sit and and have DiMarco start? Uh, do you have a preference there? I mean, I guess it makes more sense to keep Bastoni out there as a, as a central defender and someone who's he's actually very good at what he does um, over Perisic, I think. And, you know, obviously you know why that, why that move happened at the end of the game. You want a little bit more offense, I guess, you know, when you're trying to catch up, which we'll get to. But, um, yeah, is that a no-brainer for you, Frank? Perisic is going to sit when you want the marker to start over Bastoni? I would prefer that. I mean, if you're going to play three a three-man defense, but I think at that stage of the game, Inzaghi switched to a, almost a back four. Um, which allows Perisic to push even further forward, doesn't have to worry about defensive responsibilities as a wingback, can play a little bit higher. Um, Darmian drops to being more of a fullback in that role, or even or whether it was Den- Den- Dumfries, depending on when you look at the time and look at uh, look at the substitutions. Excuse me. Um, so I'd, I'd prefer 
keeping Bastoni in there and keeping the cover and letting him play for Perisic. But I also get why Inzaghi did it at the time is because it was they were behind in the game, I believe. Um, I'm curious how Inter fans feel about that. Now on the left, yeah, side. they were they were behind it. They were behind in the game, and they made that substitution to give a four man defense look. Because the other thing that you probably want to consider here. He also brought on in that in that time frame. He brought on Vecino for Chalhanolu, so he clearly made it a priority to attack. And he brought Dumfries on. All of those in in one shot. So the idea of Vecino for Chalhanolu is it gives you more of a true midfielder, center midfielder, holder can can win the odd ball here. Chalhanolu is not a ball winning midfielder in the strictest definition. And then it looked as though they emphasized trying to attack from the flanks, you know, maybe trying to catch the Atalanta wingbacks in two V one situations, uh, you know, in the wide areas. So when you look at those, that, that that's what that tells me when I see those substitutions and that's what, you know, inter looked to attempt to do as a means of getting back in this game. Yep. No, and also, also, also Chalinola was crap. That's what's another reason why they did. I thought you were going to say they brought in Vecino because they wanted a Serie A player out there, but uh, <laughs> I digress. I digress. Uh, moving on to Atalanta's team, uh, Juan Musso getting the starting goal. Obviously, uh, they go with a defense of Toloy, Demarel, and Palomino, uh, midfield of Zapacosta, Froiler, Darun, Gossens, uh, and then uh, Piscina, Melanovsky, and Zapata up top. Um, straightforward lineup. I mean, obviously, you know, they got so much talent. You're going to obviously omit some players, whether it's Ilicic, Pasilic, uh, Muriel, whomever. There's always going to be someone missing out here, but it's a strong lineup from, from Atalanta in this one, Frank. Uh, any, anything that jumped out at you that was worrisome at all with this lineup? Maybe them around? Not really. Um, when, when Gasparini has Freuler and Daron available to occupy those midfield spots, he can play any front three he wants. Um, because those two guys are key. And I made this, I made this comment when I did my final predictions, and this is why I have Atalanta outside of the top four. There's not enough cover in those positions for Atalanta. Those two are the best at those positions on that team, and it's not even close. When they ask Piscina or Pasolic to deputize in those roles, it's a disaster. There's plenty of ways to break through between them and get to that Atalanta back three and put pressure on them. Um, but when it's those two guys, they they play with a solidity together and they make things really difficult to break through and 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 get to the back three, at least doing it through the middle. And then it gives the freedom for Gasparini. You know, he could play any front three that he wants. This time he goes with Piscina and, and Malinowski behind Zapata, um, you know, and, and he can mix it up a bunch of different ways. Um, and then you also have the use of the wingbacks who maybe because of the presence of those two guys have a little more freedom as well going forward. Um, it's, you know, these are some of the dynamics with what Gasparini does. And when one of those guys are out, they're far more suspect um, going, the, you know, in, in defensive situations. So, you know, I liked the lineup. Um when when he plays Froiler and Darun, he can he can play any front three he wants and not miss. Yep. No. No. I, I'm 100 percent with you on that. Uh, and this is an interesting game. Uh, you know, the first 20 minutes are pretty telling in terms of how good Inter are. Right. We we see them. They were just completely dominating that first 20 minutes. I thought 
uh, looking very excellent. Obviously, it helps in the fifth minute. Uh, Barella, one of the best you know central midfielders in the game, uh, makes that brilliant cross, and Lartaro with a freaking amazing volley. Goal of the week candidate, goal of the week winner right there. My goal of the week winner, yeah. I, that was just a beautiful goal right there. I mean, to start off the game like that with a bang and then continue with that pressure for the next 15 minutes, uh, I really thought maybe Atalanta weren't going to be ready for this as they hadn't been you know to the start of the season so far. Um, and then you started seeing Atalanta get more and more into the game, and it took a while, but it you know it took one of their one of their talisman Milanovsky in the 30th minute uh, with a rocket of a shot uh, gets past uh, Handanovic. Uh, not, nothing really could do there when the guy shoots it that hard. Probably the hardest shot in the in the league and maybe one of Europe. Uh, one one at that point, game on. Uh, and just less than 10 minutes later, Rafael Toloi gets a goal. Again, Malinovsky involved in the play. His shot, once again, saved this time by Handanovic. Goes right to Taloy. Uh, you could argue that uh, Handanovic probably could have done better on the initial save, but uh, the save goes straight out in the middle, right to Taloy. Taloy pounces on it, puts it away. 2-1 into halftime. You're looking, oh, wait a minute. Inter on the back foot. We're not used to seeing this here. Uh, and so I thought at the first half, you know, Atalanta came out to 2-1 lead. They, they struggled in that first 20, 25 minutes, but then they grew into the game. And then once those two goals happened, it looked like, this game may have been over at that point. What were your thoughts going to 2-1 at halftime, Inter down in this one? Well, I thought Atalanta dominated the first half after that Lataro goal. Um, and I thought that Inter were on their heels, uh, generally speaking. I mean, and then statistics supported Atalanta had most of the ball. They outshot Inter 12-6. to You know, I think Atalanta come out of this first half wondering, how are we not up by more? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, with some of the chances that they had, uh, Malinowski was fantastic, scored a great goal, uh, easily going to be in my top five. Um, I thought Piscina was very influential. Um, you know, he did it with some of his passing. He didn't necessarily, he wasn't a overly dangerous threat offensively. I thought Zapata was, was good in helping hold the ball up. Um, I thought the inter back three overall did a nice job of making sure that he wasn't a threat around the goal. Uh, so what he did in his hold up play and passing and helping Atalanta keep the ball was critical. And the, I thought the wingbacks were, were, uh, were solid. Um, Gozins had an impact. Zappacosta had an impact, um, you know, going forward for Atalanta there in the first half and, and created some, you know, certainly created some issues. Um, but yeah, it, it took the inter goal to, to get Atalanta going. And and when they did, you know, they got the lead and really could have been three or four one up by halftime. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know if it was Lartaro. I think it was Lartaro missed a, a glorious opportunity in that first half to really get another goal in there. And I thought that was going to rue them, yep. you know, that miss. Um, and the second half, you know, really started out very much the way the first half ended. Uh, Atalanta on the front foot. And I think that the game changer for me, for Inter's perspective, is those substitutions you mentioned. Uh, Vecino coming on, Dumfries, DiMarco. That really changed the game, I think, for me. You started to see more attacking prowess uh, by by Inter. Um, mm-hmm. It freed up Jekko to do what Jekko does. Can, he can just be predatory in the box. Uh, and sure enough, you know, DiMarco with some great, great, great work down low. Uh, ends up finding Jekko in the 71st minute, 2-2. Uh, I thought there's going to be more goals in this game after this, but there was none. This 2-2 game ended 2-2. Uh, game went back and forth, two heavyweights, if you will, of, of Serie A. Um, uh, I think, you know, going into the season, you saw this scoreline, you probably or saw this matchup come up, you would have thought 2-2, no doubt, definitely a draw. Coming to this game, though, based on the forms of the team, you thought maybe Inter should have walked away with this one. And then the, the, the way that game ended, I think, for me, it, 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 it was suited. Uh, 2-2, two teams. You knew someone was going to drop points in this one. Uh, both teams ended up dropping points. 
Um, Atalanta had, you know, great possession in this game. I think Inter did just enough to keep punching their punching their weight there. And I think uh, both teams are going to be in the mix all season long, in, in my opinion. Uh, what were your thoughts yeah. on, on how the game ended? Well, uh, let's go back to the the tying goal. Because um, just a minute before that, Palomino had to come off. And it was another wingback that came on, Mela. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that was a interesting play there. And you see the Jekyll goal like a minute after that, and he just – it looked like you, – and you, you give Inter a lot of credit because you talk about the pressure that they put Atalanta under once they made some of the changes that they did. I mean, you've got – you got – you know, you got Dumfries coming down the right-hand side, uh, you know, providing some issues. Um and uh, you've got uh, the combination of uh, DeMarco and um, Pedisic putting some pressure on Zappacosta on the right hand side, and then you get Palomino hurt, and you bring on another, you bring on another wing back, and you have to wonder if Atalanta just were unbalanced and maybe a little bit unorganized and not sure what to do in certain situations. And the, I, you know, I credit Inter for battling and getting the tying goal, and for the way they played in the second half because they could have gotten some more out of this as well. I mean, it was just, it was one of these weird games. Um, yeah, most of had I look, a big save late in the game too. Yeah, for sure. And when I look at it, I sit here thinking, you know, Jekyll scoring a minute after Palomino has to come off. I don't think Atalanta were totally comfortable in their setup, you know, when that happened. That's very um, similar to the goal that um, the penalty that happened in the Roma game where Aqua Acro just came into the game and caused the penalty immediately. And you're wondering, did Sarri get the right, that call right? And the same thing yeah. here's the situation. Miele, who's a good player, a uh, really good player actually, but you know, as soon as he comes in the game, almost immediately they kind of like feast off of that 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 uh, change and they score immediately. So yeah, it's, well, it was uh, out of necessity. They had to do it because Palomino was hurt. Sure, sure. Um, but could they go on somewhere else? You know, you know. I'm just trying to look at Atalanta's bench. A, 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 clearly, not a game where Gasparini is ready to trust Lovato. No. Yeah. Um, you had Jim City in there. Yeah, so, and that's what I would have thought would have came in, but you know, he came in. He already had come in at that point. Yeah, you already had him in, and and here's where I here's where I have a problem. Okay, so you, you got Jim City in there, and so now you've got all of these center backs. It just it it it, it looked unorganized. I mean, it looked like I mean, <laughs> sometimes Gasparini just throws guys in there, and you're just sitting here well what's the shape supposed to be who's supposed to go sometimes you know, it sticks sometimes it doesn't it looks like it, it's it can look so confusing and this is where i'm like getting sick and tired of seeing managers being allowed to have five substitutes it's just like get back to three and do it quickly everybody else is doing three let's there's sometimes no reason why we've got to keep doing five moves are brilliant and sometimes you think he's overthinking it right he's just trying to instead of trying to confuse his uh opposition he confuses his team uh, with some yep. of these moves, so I mean that's I think that situation where they had there, and it kind of goes to what you were saying earlier about like, you know, ultimately Inter are lacking in depth in some areas, and center back is one of them. Uh, you obviously yep. saw that with a, a center back goes down, and they already had one come on, and now look what you got, you know. So yep. um, yeah, it, it is what it is. But yeah, both teams get to share the spoils in this one, and uh, it was an entertaining game. It absolutely was. Uh, you know, both teams, you know, definitely giving their all, and uh, Inter are so good. It's not going to change my opinion on Inter at all, and Atalanta. All the thing this shows me about Atalanta is that they're still going to be in the mix this year. Yeah. Um, when they want to play, they they will play. I'm sure when they play Milan this year and and uh, very soon they're going to show up as well. But you know they'll pick their they're going to prefer Champions League at the start of this, and then once they out of the group stages, they can get back in the Serie A. We had 41 shots in this game. 
crazy. Just just crazy. madness. Um, and you thought we had a winner with Peekley, and then that got called back. Um, in the end, as much as it sucks, it's the right call. Um, I'm assuming it was Lisi, but it was through one of his uh, – I think it was through his Fossa De Leone Twitter saying that that shouldn't be something that VAR goes to to disallow a goal, a referee or a, a linesman missing a ball going into touch. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I, I mean, I, I think... Or in this if, case, it would have been a cor- it was a corner for Atalanta. If it leads to a goal, I can see why they would do it. it it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of gray areas in VAR and all that stuff, when, when you can't use it. Um, and even with those lines that they, they drew up in the rule book, they still don't adhere to it all the time. Um, but yeah, anytime I think a goal is involved, I can see why they would go to it. Would I like to see that? No, not necessarily. But, uh, you know, I think ultimately they got the right call, I guess. And, uh, you know, it's fair play, I guess. It's almost like, you know, when I coach my son's under 10 team, like you got to remind them that's why we have lines in the game. Um, you know, because sometimes we'll get into a possession game and a ball will just maybe creep over the line, but I allow play to go on because I just want to, I want to see how the sequence is is playing out. You know, but that's training. <laughs> you know, and I guess in an official match, you know, they got to do it by the book. I, I guess I don't have a problem with getting it right that if the ball was over the line and should have been a corner kick, then that's that's the way we got to call it. And should it should have a way to have goal line technology through on the around the whole perimeter. And then only time you bring it up is if a goal has scored. And then you can go back and say, oh, well, that was offside. But then how far back do you go, right? That could get yep. tricky as well. Oh, 10 sure. minutes ago, the ball was out of bounds. And, you know, so that could sure. be very too. But what are you going to do? I'm with you. This doesn't change my opinion about Inter uh, or Atalanta. Uh, I mean, Inter, I think, are a top four team. I didn't pick them for the title. I mean, I know that they're a trendy pick. Um, but I think that there's enough. And, and the comment that I made about Inter – was under Conte and with Lukaku, that was a culture that this squad can't replicate. I mean, many players are still there from that squad, but I find it hard to believe that Simone and Zaghi can replicate what Antonio Conte did. Um, and and for those yeah. reasons, and seeing the improvement of Napoli, seeing the improvement of Milan, I have entered third. I, I agree. It's 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 very difficult to replicate what Lukaku and Conte did. However, I think what what they what they found at the end of the transfer market is that they got some pieces there, in particular Dumfries and DiMarco, who can and Correa, who can add that little spice to it that you know they didn't have last year. And so, while it's not Lukaku and it's not Conte's system, they can still very much be dangerous, more more dangerous than we thought going into the end of the end of the transfer market. And so. They're going to be in it for me, and I don't have them as the winners as well. I went the opposite way of the trend, picking Milan, but um, I think Inter are going to be very well down to the wire for sure. I think Inter is going to be in the mix all season long because um, I, I still I think Inzaghi, what he's doing there is 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 good. It's I'm still not convinced fully yet because otherwise I would have picked Inter, but um, yeah. I think the squad's good enough, and I think he he has enough experience that he can overcome some of the um, the downfalls that you typically see during the season, especially with the ebbs and flows, uh, especially around January, February, would enter notoriously prior to last year um, had had suffered. So, Certainly, certainly. Atalanta, like I said, I think it's, I mean, you saw why Freuler and Daron are, are, are vital to this team. We talk about what they got going forward and some of the other players, but when they – when they lose one of them, sometimes lose both of them, 
that's where they look weak. And the fact that they have, have you know, they they reinforce wisely, they sell extremely well, but not getting enough cover for these two particular positions in this setup for me worries me. And I think that's going to do them in, um, you know, at some point. So I, you know, I hope Froiler and Daron are healthy enough to play the whole season. And I know they're making a lot of comments about them and people are like, it's Atalanta. Why aren't you talking about Malinovsky or Ilicic or Zapata or all the other guys that score all the goals? I said, because they're in positions where they have a lot of freedom because of these two guys. Okay. And when they play together, yeah. it's like I said at the beginning, Gasparini can put any front three out there that he wants if he's got those two guys and they're going to be successful. Yeah. I think, yeah, Froler and Darun are so underrated on this team and they're so important for what the rest of the team does. They have the freedom everyone does because those two cogs in the middle are so good at what they do. They can tackle, they can break up plays, they can set, you know, set the, the, the motion from defense to attack. Uh, they're very key and, and often teams that are very good aesthetically to watch, you know, Man City, yeah. all these teams, it's the middle pieces that hold all that together. And when those go awry, they don't look as good. Take Jorginho no. out of Chelsea, they're not going to be as good. Or, or Conte, you know, say, same thing. So it does, it's uh, unnoticed guys. That wow. They're, they're a little deeper. <laughs> sure, sure. I'm just making a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, no, I, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. So, I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know if you, I mean, it, 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 Milan has a little more depth in center midfield, but we, right now at the moment, who do you want in there? You want Tonali and Kessie and maybe Benesser. You know, and if you lose two of those three guys, you're awfully worried about what's there. Krunich, Krunich. and <laughs> yeah, Bakioko and stuff like that. So, you know, these are these are critical positions that you know. I hope Atalanta can can stay healthy in those areas and not have to deputize guys too much. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, heck of a game, heck of an atmosphere. I mean, both of these games, uh, the Rome Derby and then the Inter Atalanta match were outstanding, but they were just the tip of the iceberg with what happened in Serie A this weekend. It all started with Spezia taking on Milan. Um, Milan winning this one, two goals to one, a first half uh, that Milan were in control of, although susceptible on the counter, Spezia had some chances going the other way. Uh, the breakthrough happened. In the 48th minute, a historical breakthrough. The Maldini family can lay claim as the only family to have three generations uh, of players scoring goals, uh, I believe, in City Hour. Maybe any major European league. We'd have to look into that. Um, but Daniel Maldini with a goal of the week candidate, a beautiful cross from Pierre Calulu, uh, scoring. So Cesare has scored, Paolo has scored, and now Daniel uh, scoring in the 48th minute. What a moment. Me as somebody who's a kind of a, finds myself a little bit of a, I'm more of a modern historian when it comes to Milan. You know, anything from the last 30 years, I'm happy to talk about. Anything before that, I got to do a little digging. Um, uh, it was a, a proud moment for me as a fan. I'm sure it was a proud moment for you, knowing the Maldini name and knowing the lineage, you know, and the history that it has with the club. Yeah. Uh, for Milan to... Uh, go up by a goal to nil, uh, but they were thwarted. 80th minute, uh, Daniele Verdi made it 1-1. So Pioli says, hey, I got this Brahim guy on the bench. Um, I'm going to bring him in <laughs> in the 82nd minute. 86th minute, he scores the winner. <laughs> so Milan go on and win 2-1. Listen, Spezia are... They're going to shit house every game. 
No, they're not going to shit house every game. They actually play good football. I actually they like did. the way Spetsy play. I don't think they they're did. shit housers. They did. You know, they're not. They're not Genoa. They actually. I mean, in this case, they were forced to because Milan were so dominant going forward. Yeah. You know, with their possession and stuff like that. But when, but Spezia I mean, had the even, chances, like you said, so. yeah. Even if you give Spezia a little bit of the ball, they're going to carve out chances because they're wonderful in their possession, how they move the ball, how they work. Um, you know, and they've got some key players that can give you some problems. Ask ask Juventus how they felt about dealing with Jassy all game. Um, you know, in Milan's case, Daniele Verdi. Um, you know, Maggiore, who 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 runs in behind that front three and finds himself in, in some very dangerous spots. These guys are, you know, these guys are a thorn to everybody. I mean, they're gonna, I, I, you know, they're gonna probably go down. I have them going down, and I think the def, the la, the defending is going to do them in. Jaron Zut is going to have to put in a goalkeeper of the year performance, you know, in order to, in order for Spezia to stay up. And I think there are some games where he's actually done that so far. I think in midweek against Juve, he was really good too. Um, but you know, Milan Twitter or Milan fans are thinking, why didn't we beat them four or five to one? Because Spezia is actually a pretty good team and they're a dangerous team. Even if you give them a little bit of the ball, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to go on the road in any game and come away with three points, you know, especially against a team that's pesky like this, a team that found some confidence after going toe to toe with Juventus for 90 minutes. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Uh, Spezia are a team that they 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 know how to play when they're not when they don't have possession because it's majority of their games they don't have possession, and so they know how to play that counterattacking style and uh, they take their chances very well. In this game, they you know they gave Milan a lot of trouble, uh, especially with Verde getting that goal, and and I for sure thought that they were going to find a way to uh, get all the points or get share the points with Milan in this one. Uh, it was definitely a difficult game. You knew it was going to be a difficult game. You saw from the onset, even though Milan had the possession, the way that they were counterattacking and getting their opportunities still. Uh, Magnon had to, you know, had to play well. The defense had to step up because uh, there's some there's some moments where they they kind of carved Milan up on, on these counterattacks. You're like, whoa, whoa, what is this coming from? So they can play, um, but yeah, I think you know, despite what what Thiago Mota is trying to build down there, I don't know if it's going to be very successful in the whole season. Right. But they're going to make it difficult for everybody they play, and that's just the way it is. And you know, they're not going to get blown out necessarily, and and they're not going to blow anybody out by any means. But every game will be will be tight. Uh, and then they'll have their opportunity to score goals. They got some some ballers on that team, but uh, not enough, unfortunately. Yep. All right. This next one, I, I I need you to do because the guys that scored in this game, I I I'm contractually obligated to not talk about them. <laughs> You're contractually okay. Fair I think enough. I think I got to yeah, go and yeah. look, but I'm pretty sure I'll do it. No, no, that's fine. I can do it. I okay. Can do it. Uh, so the game we are referring to is obviously Genoa and Hellas Verona. Um, all of Frank's favorite players play for these teams. Um, so this is a very a game that you would have thought would have been easily 0-0 as poor these two teams play. However, this is one of the most entertaining games of the weekend, honestly. Uh, so goal scoring started early. Former general player, now Verona player, Giovanni Simeone. He got, he starts the scoring in the eighth minute. Uh, he, he gets a header there. That'd be all the goals in the first half, uh, going one nothing there. And you thought maybe the game would probably end this way, but no. Second half really came out with a bang. Started out with a penalty in the 49th minute that Antonin Barak converted, made it two nothing at that point. Um, Genoa would get a penalty for themselves. Both penalties I thought were legit. Crescito would step up, scored a goal in the 77th, made it two one. Game on. Um, then your boy gets into the act. Destro, one of your boys, uh, makes it two two in the 80th minute. 
Uh, and then five minutes later, goal of the week, Cannon, you know, pretty much carving up the, the Hellas defense and get a nice chip shot goal over the keeper. 3-2, looks like he's going to be the man of the match. And then Frank Sutherboy comes into play in the first minutes of stoppage time. Kalinic, uh, yeah, two guys, Dester and Kalinic, both scoring goals. 3-3, three, three, they share the spoils, and Frank uh, is crying in misery during this game. So, uh, What the hell kind of world are we living in where these guys have combined for seven goals this season already? Yeah, these guys are both on it with these new teams. Um, I, I mean, I think that Davide Bellardini and, and, and Igor Tudor are coach of the year candidates just for that. <laughs> these guys are shit. And somehow they're scoring a ton of goals. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, scored a lot last year and he's scoring this year. Kalinich out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't get it. I just, just you know, I mean, just two guys that I can't stand the sight of. Failed at Milan, and now they're blowing up at. I mean, and let them blow up there. It's not like I want them back. Um, <laughs> actually, <laughs> like, might. actually, like what I saw from Pelegri when he when he got out there against Spezia. By the way, uh, I agree. I agree. we didn't mention that he was key on that um, goal. Actually, yeah, Second yeah, goal. I like I like the potential. I like what I saw. So Maldini knows what he's doing, man. He really knows what he's doing. <laughs> trust, trust, uh, trust. Uh, I'd say San Paolo. I guess we can see Santi Paolo. Did you see his emotion when Daniel scored though? That was that was beautiful. That was that was that was great. I, I'd rather talk about this than than talk about Destro and Kalinic scoring. <laughs> so, I but I mean I guess I guess I'll I guess I'll owe them a little bit of credit to be in the position that they've gotten in and yeah. and, and help their teams, uh, you know, put together some points. But you know, I think we're seeing. Hellas Spinona's recent run is exactly why I was probably the only guy that wasn't ready to relegate them. As it, something was, as a, there's no way EDF was going to last the whole season. And I didn't think it was going to last four games only. I thought he would last yeah. you know, at least twenty games or ten games. And no, so. yeah, and somebody else was going to come to clean it up. And there's just there's two there's still even without Zakania there's still too much talent at Verona. Yes, yes. Uh, to go down. So um, so a lot of people are going to get that one wrong. I'm not. I'll take my victory lap for that. So, um, and then Genoa is going to stay up because their playing style is so awful, but they somehow make it work and they survive. So it's really the best way to put it. So, all right, I can get back to doing these. Uh, Sunday morning began with Juventus against Sampdoria, and it began with a goal of the week candidate from Paulo Dybala. Beautiful volley from just at the top of the area. And, uh, oh, look, they're letting Leonardo Benucci take penalties. Um, and he scores uh, in the 43rd minute. Maya Yoshida, uh, another center back, decides to show a center back, hey, I'm going to actually show you how to score a goal in a real situation. Does so on a set piece uh, served up by Antonio Condreva. 2-1 at halftime. Um, it was a brilliant performance from Juve in the first half. Dominant actually probably kicking themselves up for, for conceding that goal, but this is, this is, this is Juve now. They're shooting themselves in the foot and they're leaving people in games. This is, this should have been put away. Uh, but then Sampdoria get this goal and they're feeling pretty good about themselves. They're back in it. Um, but then Manuel Locatelli proves the uh, money that he was worth and scores. And is that his first Juve goal? I think that is. I think it was too. Uh, at least in the league, I think it is. Yep. Assisted by Dejan Kulishevsky, who, according to Massimiliano Allegri, can't read the game. Uh, <laughs> apparently, he read that situation well enough. Um, and then finally, in the 83rd, Sampdoria make this a game yet again. Antonio Candreva uh, on an assist from Adrian Silva in the 83rd. That made it 3-2. 
uh, a second half where Juve does Juve things under Massimiliano Allegri. We have the lead. We're going to live on the counter. Um, and Sampdoria had a little bit more of the ball, but just couldn't create anything. I mean, it looked an awful lot like the Juve Milan game where Juve got the early lead and said, we're going to just take our chances on the counter. Yeah. Milan couldn't get anything going and needed the set piece to get back in it. Lo and behold, Sampdoria had a set piece to get themselves back in it somewhat. I, okay. My opinion doesn't change about Juve. I don't think they make top four uh, with this kind of form and with these kind of performances and with these kind of slip ups. Sampdoria though, I went to Twitter and I said, you know, Look at that schedule that they played to start the season, okay? Um, They have five points from a possible 18. Uh, Let me read to you guys um, how Sampdoria opened the season. All right. Uh, Let's see here. I got to just pull it up. All right. Opening six games. Milan at home, lost. Sassuolo away, draw. Inter at home, draw. Empoli away, win. Napoli at home, Got boat raced. So what? <laughs> Napoli's doing that to a lot of people right now. And then Juventus away, lost. Uh, <laughs> what did Ferrero do to the people at Serie A to deserve that to start the season? Where Sampdoria had to open up against four of the seven sisters. And then the other two games are away. Tricky away games, mind you. They did win at Empoli. But at Sassuolo. Sorry, I was looking at who won Castle Twitter nominee. Um, no, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, th- that's a difficult slate. I mean, I don't know who Ferrero pissed, but my God, that's a that's a tough as slate as you can have uh, in City A. And uh, they, you know, they they did get a couple of results, but um, someone mentioned on Twitter, I forget who who it was, but you know, Sampdoria is probably going to go on a tear now. You know, they played all the yeah. hard teams. Now they got such easier easier teams, and the, the style of play that that Sampdoria plays this season, we've seen it already. It's a good good product. Uh, so I expect him to start yeah. going on, on a run, but yeah, what a what a gauntlet they kind of went through there, and uh, you know I fully expected in this game here that they were going to actually be the ones to take it to Juventus. They kind of um, respected them a little too much based on the on the on who Juventus is, right, mm-hmm. and, and rightfully so. But you know, and and the form that Juventus is in, and the form that Sampdoria are in, Sampdoria should have taken it to him and really made him pay for you know really work them, make them play defense. And they didn't do that. They gave way too much respect. Obviously, Paulo Dybala did great, you know, getting the opening goal. And then he got injured. We'll see how bad that injury is. But yeah. um, this is arguably the best game Juventus has played this year, in my opinion. Uh, and a lot of it goes to, yeah, Juventus played better. But Sampdoria also played pretty poor. I thought it took them about 85 minutes before they really got in the game when Juventus were kind of locking up shop, as you as you said. And uh you know, getting the, getting the ball a lot more. They still couldn't create many opportunities, even though they're that's the best they looked all game. Um, they got to, you know, maybe they're just ready for this gauntlet to be over, and then either they can play more free and and open. We'll see. Um, but tough, tough way to start the season. I mean, that, that's that's a tough, tough start. I mean, you you take out that Napoli game, they actually were extremely competitive in all of those games. Um, you know, so I think Diversa's got Sampdoria on the right track. I think that they're playing well. The results aren't totally showing up. I mean, it's a very misleading five out of a possible 18 points when you consider the schedule. But they've been very, very competitive, and I still think they're a top-half team. And, yeah, once this thing loosens up a little bit for them, they're definitely going on a run. I mean, some of the mishaps you saw from Juventus in this game are exactly why I think they finished sixth Um, and that I just don't think they're a top-four team anymore. And and I think that it is a bit of a rebuilding process, uh, you know, going on in – 
uh, Turin. So, um, any thoughts on Juve? Better performance. Um, I, this is not going to change my opinion of them. I never thought. Oh, I never thought. I don't think they are a top four team. Um, hmm. I think they're playing better now. That this game, they played better. They got obviously that win uh, midweek against Spezia, a difficult opponent apparently. Um, but uh, I think the way they played against Sampdoria, if they can continue this, uh, they they'll be in better position. I think a lot of the players did a lot better. We'll see how bad this Dybala injury is, if it is bad at all. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's a team I think will be difficult. But they're not. I think they don't have enough compared to all the the top teams in the league to really compete with them just yet. Well, I mean, things could change with Allegri, but I haven't seen anything that says top four easily. I, that, right. I don't see that yet. I don't see it yet. Yeah, I don't either. Um, moving on, Bologna brought the fun bad as they always do. Uh, this time at Empoli, a four-two win uh, for Andrea Zoli's men. It opened up in the very first minute, uh, and you know, I, when I say fun bad, I mean fun bad. Kevin Bonifazzi putting the ball in his own net for Bologna to give Empoli the one-nil lead. They would equalize in the eleventh minute through Musa Barro. See, put Musa Barro in there. You're going to score goals. If you're Bologna, 1-1. One, one. Uh, Arnautovic gets a penalty in the 20th minute that hits the woodwork. More fun bad there from Bologna. In the 31st minute, Andrea Pinamonti scores uh, to put Empoli ahead um, by two goals to one. It was a first half that uh, Empoli went to their you know, quick counterattacking style, put Bologna in some trouble. Bologna... Um, had a little bit more of the ball. Uh, a penalty got awarded in the 52nd minute that would be taken by Nedim Barami in the 54th. He would score that, make it 3-2, showing Arnautovic how to uh, take a penalty. Uh, in the 76th minute, Arnautovic would score in the run of play, assisted by Di Silvestri, making it 3-2. But then Samuele Ricci, who had a really good game here uh, for Empoli, um, scoring in the 90th minute to put the game away uh, for Empoli and going on to win by four goals to two over Bologna. 35 shots in this game, Richard. Um, Craziness. I mean, and and don't look now, but Empoli is eighth. I know it's only <laughs> my I know we're only I know I know we're only six games in, but you have to point it out. <laughs> so yeah. And, do you think they want that game against Venezia back? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, don't look now, but they only need uh, 31 more points and they can guarantee the position into Serie A next year. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I thought the 4-2 scoreline would have happened, but I would have, I would expected Bologna to get the four goals, not Empoli. They made Empoli look awfully good. Not that, you know, Empoli don't get credit for what they did there, but um, fun bad is what you're going to get with Bologna. You had it today. Um so many hit the post off the off the off the penalty there, and but Empoli looked good. You mentioned it. The quick passing uh, really threw Bologna off. They didn't know how to uh, answer that really, and uh, really well taken goals there. Obviously, you had the penalty there that Barami scored, but um, Andrea Zoli, don't look now. He's uh, he's finding ways to get these points. Points that his uh, counterparts in the relegation battle, Venezia, Salernitana, are probably not going to get. Um, despite how bad Bologna was, I don't expect them to play like this all the time, at least not with Salernitana and Venezia. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, Empoli are finding a way to get some some results that many people won't get. They also beat Juventus. Um, so, you know, they're doing the right things at the moment. If they can keep up this momentum and get get some more points that, that 
unexpected points that really no one is really um, was jotting down on their notes. They they may sneak out of this. This is a team I picked to um, escape relegation, and so far they're 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 good eighth place. That's that's a little lofty right now. I, I don't think they're going to hold that position. But if they if they can, you know they can find a way to get to fifteenth or something like this year, that's going to be a um, manager year nomination for Andrea Zoli, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'm impressed. I, like I said, I I love the way they play, um, and and I've said it before. I've said it a couple of times on this podcast. At the beginning of the season when I kind of tweeted out, okay, five guys I'm talking about now that you guys are going to talk about from a few weeks. And one of the guys I said at that point was Nadim Barami. Um, and week in and week out, he is the – I mean, he's number 10 on Empoli. He is, he's playing like a 10. He's playing that 10 role. He is doing it really well. And um, if this Empoli thing doesn't work out in City and they go down to City B, this this guy is not going to have trouble finding work, uh, you know, playing for another team after this. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. I, I agree. I think this uh, he's going to be uh, getting a lot of people calling his calling his number for uh, for his services. Yep, for sure. So uh, point that out. Ricci again, like I said, was outstanding, and then Marquita playing left back. I mean, these are guys that are came in, coming over from Spezia, so culturally they get it. And can fit right in, which which kind of helps too. So yeah, absolutely. Um, Sassuolo beats Salernitana by a goal to nil. Um, I'll give credit to Salernitana; they did put up a fight here uh, in this game. Um, it wasn't. I don't think they were shit housing by any stretch of the imagination. It would be a Domenico Berardi goal from Jeremy Boga. These are the qualities of Salernitana that people were kind of hoping for. Um, those that thought that they could survive. Um, I, I, I've got them 20th. I think I, I just think they have the least amount of talent in this league. Uh, and that's including Ribery dusty old, Sunny. dusty old Ribery and, and, and Simi, but, yeah. um, Sassuolo getting the one nil win. Yeah. Um, talk about Sassuolo at this point. So, I, luckily, Consigli was in goal because he had some big saves in this game. Yes. I mean, Salernitana made him work, uh, and he had some uh, his his saves nearly made my top five plays of the week. Um, that's how good it was. But you know this this Sassuolo team, you know they lost some they lost some pieces. You know, especially Caputo is the big one that they lost. You know, recently you think oh they're, they're really they're done and dusted, but no, they got a lot of attacking talent that we've talked about. Uh, and then they you know they're it's a fairly complete team. They're going to compete. They're going to be in the Europa League mix this year, or conference, whatever conference league, or whatever you want to call it. They're going to be in the European and European hunt because um, they still know how to play that that brand of football that the Zerbi taught them. Um, they're finding ways to you know make uh, keep the balls out of their own net, which is important because Salernitana easily could have scored some goals, you know, back in old Sassuolo days, the, the fun bad team. Um, this team is is more competent now, and they're going to be a challenge for everybody. Now, granted, you know Salernitana is a team you can laugh out because they're like, oh, they're probably going to get relegated this year. But Sassuolo's done this every game they've played so far. They've made it difficult against everyone, and they're going to continue to make it difficult no matter what team it is, whether it's Inter, Atalanta, Milan, or Salernitana, Venezia, whatever. Um, Sassuolo is a team to be reckoned with this season. They're going to be in the top top half of the table for sure. The question is where? Yeah, um, I, I, I've got Sassuolo outside of the European places this season. Um, As do I. Eighth, I think I got them. And I think that that's, that's not an indictment on them. I think that that's just a credit to the improvement of a couple of teams, in particular Fiorentina. Um, so 
you know, it is what it is. Um, but still a team that's going to give people a lot of trouble, uh, you know, in that sense. Uh, Salernitana, interesting. They, they made a tactical shift. They've been playing with three at the back. They switched to a back four. Um, they played a three-man midfield to protect the back four. And I don't know if that was because they just kind of came to an acceptance that they're going to the Mape and and not going to have the ball. So let's let's organize and let's see if we can fool them. And I thought that they, they you know, if what? anything, it shows that there's some flexibility in what they can do. But I still, they're just, they're just so short on talent. I think this formation lends themselves to have the most opportunity of being successful because I think what we've seen so far is that they had not looked good at all defensively or offensively. At least now they can at least not hopefully give up as many goals and, and, you know, on the counter, they can create some stuff as they did against uh, Sassuolo. So, you know, any other, if they, you know, if they played this way nine times out of 10, they would, they would have got a goal the way they played, but you know, Casilli was on his game today and it's at least two, if not three big saves in this game. So, um, Hopefully they continue this formation. It's not just a blip in the radar because they're playing Sassuolo. Because uh, I think that'll hopefully give them more opportunities to get some points this season. Because um, we see what they did in today B, and uh, when they play attractive football, it, it just they do well, and they they have it in them. They're not the quality. I'm with you. The quality is not there, but they have the heart, and yep. the heart can take you a, a good a good bit away. So a heart can get you 13 points instead of 12 for the season. <laughs> This is true. That's at least for Salaritana. <laughs> so, um, all right. Uh, we got to catch up one here. Udinese zero, Fiorent- Udinese nil, Fiorentina one. Dusan Vlaovic penalty. Yeah. Um, Tough hardly, mu- not not much of anything went on in this game. Um, Dragovsky, big game, five saves for him. Uh, De Lufeo put a lot of pressure on him in particular. Uh, but, <clears throat> I mean, this Fiorentina starting 11. It's a damn good starting eleven. I would want this starting eleven at Milan if I, we didn't have the guys that we had. I mean, you got Dragovsky in goal. You've got Andrea Zola, Milenkovic, Quarta, and Biragi across the back. The midfield was Bonaventura, Torreira, Duncan, and then you've got Saponara, Vlaovic, uh, Kellehon. I mean, yeah, a couple of those guys were at Milan once, <laughs> but that's not a bad eleven. It's not. It's not. And it, it, the reason that this game wasn't a blowout for them is because Udinese is actually pretty good as well. It's two good yeah. teams kind of canceling each other out, I think, in this one. Um, Callejon wasn't any particular anything anything good today, but uh, yeah, two teams canceling each other out, and it was a penalty that uh, led to the the lone goal in the game. So yeah, it's it a tough game, tough game for sure. Cagliari set up to avoid getting embarrassed at Napoli, um, and uh, you know avoided getting embarrassed. They only lost two 0 I mean, if you take a look at the game statistically, Napoli had sixty eight percent possession, outshot Cagliari seventeen to six. My pick for Capo Cannonieri, Victor Osimhen getting on the board eleven minutes in, uh, and then drawing. Was it him that threw the penalty in the fifty seventh minute? I think it was. Yes, it was. It was Godin that took him down, uh, and Lorenzo Insigne yeah. stepped up. Um, I mean, we're seeing full. For what this kid is all about under Luciano Spalletti, um, and, and why he was such a trendy pick for Capo, right? Yeah, why he was such a trendy pick for Capo Yeti. and I was, you know, Nima Nima's like, so did I. I think I did one of my famous. I picked him for Capo Yeti tweets, and then he was like, so did I. So did this guy. I was like, and I, I replied to him. I said, there are there are there are some times where you just got to eat the chalk. This is one of those where you just eat the chalk. Osman's going to lead this league in scoring. And I think the only guy that I think that has anything to say about it at this point, based on the frequency of games, 
um, or frequency of appearances that he's going to have in City games is Dusan Vlaovic. Yeah, that's a fair shout. Uh, but yeah, Ostiman, uh, he, he's causing chaos. Again, a goal, wonderful goal, caused a penalty on Godin. I mean, completely broke Godin's ankles and forced that penalty there. Um, Napoli, they, they're looking good. They're, they're starting out really hot under Spalletti and uh, obviously a contender for the Scudetto at the moment, the way they're playing, they're just they're humming. They're humming right. They're yeah. not possessing teams or creating opportunities. And, um, you know, Ospina back there and, and goal, it's, everything's going, going very well at the moment for them. And so, and obviously Anguisa, Zambo, uh, he's been like the revelation, right? He's the one who's kind of driving this all. He was superb in this game as well. So, yeah. um, Napoli, fantastic team. They're going to be, they're going to be a force to wreck with all season long, barring injuries. Uh, hopefully they don't have any, cause I'd like to see this team, what they can do full, full kill to all season long. So. Zielinski's getting his groove back too, which makes them even more dangerous. He's one of those guys that you think about that Napoli front three and how dangerous that they can be. And here he is coming in behind them and just trying to find all of those bases and getting into those areas where he can pop up for goals or he can create. Um, Very Hamshik-esque, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that he's the technician that Hamshik was, um, but I think that he can, you know, he can drive things a little bit. Ham, you know, you you can say that about Hamshik too, I guess. Um, so, uh, it but an interesting dynamic, um, you know, and an interesting characteristic, that's for sure. So, uh, goals of the week. I'm trying to find my mute button. Uh, goals of the week. All right. So, um, let's see. Uh, Dabala's goal is definitely a nominee for me. Uh, I want to mention Consili as well. He gets an uh, honorable mention. Uh, but my top five will go as this. Number five for me, Lazio's team goal that Felipe Anderson scored comes in number five. Uh, I'm going a little bit of homer pick here at number four, Daniel Maldini's uh, first goal for Milan. That's number four. Number three, Malinovsky's bomb with his left foot. Excuse me, Frank, cover your ears. Number two, Destro's second goal, carving up the Hellas defense and shipping over the goalkeeper. Number one, Inter. Uh, with Barella to Lautaro, uh, fantastic cross, fantastic volley. I mean, that's just flat-out amazing goal there. So that's my top five. Um, I, I don't have to cover my ears because it's not my top five. So that's what it is. Um, I got Dybala's volley. I got Dybala's volley at number five. I'm going to go Malinovsky four, Maldini three. Uh, Milinkovic Savic makes it at number two for me with that headed goal. Brilliant, uh, brilliant header and sacrificed his consciousness to do it. Um, and then uh, Lataro with the goal of the week. Um, brilliant volley. He's scoring volleys all of a sudden this year. That's another one. Yeah, he's uh, good. He's and, they're good. Wor- and they are worldies when he does it, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So winners and losers um, for me. I mean, I, the winner I'm going to go with, and I said it earlier, I, I Chirley Mobley is a winner for me this week, and I have been very tough on him over the last th- few weeks, especially with his Italy performances. But – the nuances of being a striker in a 4-3-3 and especially Saudi's 4-3-3 and the ability to read the game and be unselfish in certain situations, get the two assists to help your team win the Derby, uh, you know, in both situations, you know, for a guy that prides himself on scoring a lot of goals, we saw a different side of Chiru Immobile. We saw maybe a growth in his game, um, you know, within a, and, and within a very, very critical game for Lazio too. Um, I thought um, was was important for them. I thought was important to see, and then I'll just I'll take I'll take Mourinho on the other side as the loser. I you're blaming referees, you're blaming this, you're blaming that. 
you're getting crushed on the counter. And it's the one thing that's probably keeping you from what Roma can be. Um, and fix that. Okay. I mean, you got it kind of figured out when you played Udinese, but then you, you took another step back here in the Derby. That was a good shots. Good shots. Uh, you mentioned the Derby. I got the Derby colors behind me. I'm going to stick with the Derby for my winners. Maurizio Sade is the winner for me, uh, outdueling Mourinho in this uh, big battle here. Uh, getting it absolutely right in this one. Uh, his team, obviously, scoring the goals, that helps a lot. Uh, but I thought, you know, for them to get the big win against Roma was huge. Uh, and then losers for me this week is going to be Bologna. Um, you know, we knew they're going to be fun, bad, but, you know, making teams like Empoli look like, you know, goal scoring, you know, juggernauts, uh, not the way you want to do. You expect um, Mihalovic's men to do a lot better, and they're, they're not. And, you know, this, this kind of bad performances continue. You won't see Miha very, very much, very much longer. Um, it's unfortunate because I think he's a good manager, and I think the talent is there on this team that they can perform well. But when you see performances like this, you're like, what, "What's going on here?" So, no. uh, do you think team. so, or is do you think that Bologna have put them in su- themselves in such of a predicament, considering? And, and you know, and I walk on eggshells when I talk about this, considering what Mihailovic survived and sure. You know, Bologna going to the extent of caring for him. Sure. Um, do, you, do you think Bologna is going to do that? Do you think the Saputo family will really do that? I, I'm not sure. Man, maybe not this season. I mean, he probably got a grace, grace period this year, but I mean, if, it, it all goes so long, you know. I think they'll give him the season. I don't think they, I don't think they sack him midseason. Yeah, you know, no, for sure. And I think he's going to, you know, he probably resigned before they fire him and probably was like, hey, have a conversation, you know. Looks better if he resigns and if, if it gets to that point, hopefully it doesn't. But um, yeah, I mean, results ultimately, this is a results driven business. And you know, no matter what kind of good stories you got going on, sometimes you you have to make changes, necessary changes for a team to continue progressing. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully, it doesn't get to down that road. But um, I don't like what I'm seeing right now, inconsistency wise, from, from Bologna. So, speaking of ownership, Genoa has new owners, uh, seven, seven, seven partners. Um, yeah. What should be expected? Um, American ownership has been solid in Serie A when you take a look at it. Roma, um, first by Pelota and now with the Friedkin group, there's some stability. There, there seems to be some potential for growth. Um, Milan under the Elliott group. Um, Venezia has American ownership getting promoted and now Genoa entering the fray. I think that's it. I don't know Parma, if there's any Parma last year, but they got relegated. So right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, thoughts on seven, seven, seven partners coming on board to own Genoa and what, uh, Genoa fans could expect. I don't know what they're going to expect. Hopefully, you know, they can give us a little bit, give them a little bit of influx and money, um, some stability in terms of, you know, selection of managers. So they're not so uh, trigger happy and, you know, hiring and firing managers left and right. Um, Hopefully they bring some stability there. And then, like I said, you know, bring some, bring a little bit more money into the team where they can actually spend some money on players. And, uh, you know, they, they do a good job of recruiting youngsters. uh, At least they used to. uh, And and now they got, they're having good, good luck with uh, Destro at the moment, but, you know, they still need to be able to recruit, uh, find some replacement. So you need money to do all this kind of stuff. Uh, and hopefully they can bring that, bring some marketing ability uh, to the team and maybe bring it, bring Genoa's eyes to a wider audience. And, you know, obviously the American audience, but, you know, bring it to a wider audience, make, get more people's eyes on them. And uh, the Marassi is a fantastic place to to watch a game. And uh, hopefully they can make that place a fortress 
as it already is, but to, just to more people to, to witness it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see what they'll bring. What do you what do you know about them? Well, it looks like Preziosi will stay on board as a presiding manager. Um, that just, you know, the 777 partnership group is going to control 99% of the club, which means they're going to probably put some kind of injection into the team, manage liabilities, you know, and all of the other fun stuff that goes with owning a club. Um, I can't see them doing, I can't see them breaking away from the Marassi. I don't think that they would go into a new stadium or anything like that, given the history. So, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see what, we'll see how that unfolds, but exciting times, um, you know, for and, and a club of Genoa's history, which, you know, it's one of the oldest clubs might be the oldest club, um, in Serie A. So I think you're right. Um, it's, uh, Over you know, 120 years, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah, positive times if you're a Genoa supporter, no doubt about it. So, um, all right, pressing on. Let's get into it real quick, Richard. We will uh, now start Champions League uh, talk. Um, and uh, I believe we'll begin with Tuesday's action, which involves – let me just – hold on. Milan and Madrid. Yes, Madrid yes. And, uh, Shakhtar and Inter. Yes. Okay, so uh, let's start with Shakhtar and Inter because that's going to be part of the early action on Tuesday. This is the this was Inter's bogey team last year in the Champions League group stage. Score one goal in either of the two games against Shakhtar, and they would have qualified uh, as the second place team in that group that they were in with Real Madrid and Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, the group. Has unfold as has revealed itself very similarly uh, to last year. Um, they've got to. I mean, they're going to meet a familiar face, Roberto De Zerbi, who previously managed at Sassuolo. Who Sassuolo. They play, they play Sassuolo after this game as well. And Sassuolo has always been a bogey team for Inter. Um, so did. Did Serbi take some of that Sassuolo magic with him to the Ukraine for this game? When the stars align, they align, right? You got the Zerbi who used to manage Sassuolo in this game, and then the very next game in Serie A is against Sassuolo. Um, you know, I like what the Zerbi's doing with Shakhtar right now. If I were Inter, I would focus my game. I'm not one in believing getting revenge, especially in Champions League and group stages, but Inter should get revenge. And, you know, most of it is their fault for not scoring the goals last season, but they need to get come in, come into this game and prove that the, you know last year was a mistake and get a win against Shakhtar. Um, it's someone they should know a system very well with the with the Zerbi. Obviously, this is a team that has a lot of talent in Shakhtar Donetsk. They're, they're perennial European uh, contenders in terms of uh, O's and in, in, in Champions League, and so it's going to be a difficult game. And I think they should put all their eggs in this basket and and really rotate the team against Aswolo. Um that would be my goal. I, I think they, they should focus on winning this game. They they can certainly they obviously have the talent to do it. Uh, maybe see Dumfries and Demarco start this game or something like that. Uh, but I fully expect Inter to come out trying to get a win in this. Will they? I don't know. But um, I, I think they should get revenge in this one for sure. I, I see a narrow win for Inter in this one. It's a desperate Shakhtar team because they just lost at Sheriff on the opening day, two 0 a game that they. Thought they should have probably gotten something out of. I think everybody would have thought they, they would have gotten yeah. something out of it. Um, so that's the thing you got to worry about. You, Shakhtar are going to be difficult on the counter. Um, if Inter, I, I expect Inter to have the ball here probably about fifty-five percent of the time. 
um, kind of in that range. And then I, you know, can they convert it into chances? They're going to have to. They need this win. Um, they can win this game. They're going to put Shakhtar in a big hole, and they're going to fuel their opportunity to qualify. They will get Shakhtar at home on match day six. Uh, so this is a critical game for Inter. I, I agree with you. I think they're going to find a way to win this game. I think it's going to be nervy um, because Shakhtar are a quality side. They're playing brilliantly in the Ukrainian league right now. They just beat Dinamo Kiev in the U- uh, in the Ukrainian Super Cup 3-0. Um, but I will go with Inter to win this 2-1. I think there's going to be goals in this game. I think it's going to be Inter that come away, and this time they'll finally finish their chances. They'll learn from their mistakes from last season. Um, 100%, I agree. Yep. Uh, Milan Atletico Madrid. I really want to pick Milan to win. Um, <laughs> you know, I think they can win this game. I mean, when you look at how Simeone is going to set Atletico Madrid up to defend and they're going to play to the strength of Oblak. And, you know, if can, can, can Brahim find the spaces, you know, and, and as a real Madrid guy, he's going to be motivated to play. Atletico, for those of you that believe in narratives, um, you know, Teo Hernandez also being a former Real Madrid guy, too. So there's a little bit of mo- there's going to be a little bit of motivation from these Milan guys. And I think that they can only draw confidence from what happened at Liverpool. I mean, they they should have been played off the park in the first 30 minutes and they hung in there. They got a lead on them at halftime. I think they're going to learn from those experiences and it's only going to serve them well going forward. I'm going to call it. I mean, I'm seeing the world in red and black glasses, right? But I'm I'm calling it, man. I think that Milan are going to win this. They're going to nick it. It's one nil to Milan. It's going to be it's going to be a game that nobody's going to want to watch. Um, I think it's going to get dragged out a little bit here. But I think that Milan are going to get three points. I, I feel good about where they're at, um, and I think a lot of that's because I think that. Atletico Madrid right now tend to be all over the place with their results. Um, and I think if you're going to get something on them, if you're going to get something on them, you're going to have to get it now. Yeah. No, no, I agree with that. And uh, you got to know Magnon's going to be fired up because Oblak is, if not the best, he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, he's going to be fired up for that as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Liverpool game, if, if nothing else, it's going to motivate them to say, hey, we played at that top, most difficult place in Europe, one of the most difficult places in Europe. We can play anywhere. Um, and so I think they're going to be going toe-to-toe with, with, with uh, Atleti. Um, it's going to be a you know, go back and forth. I can see a score draw on this one, 1-1. Um, uh, Atleti are a good team. I just, they're, they're managed very well. Obviously, their manager doesn't really like Milan. You know that's that's the history. But um, mm-hmm. there's motivation on both sides, especially with the Milan players. You you mentioned Brahim uh, being a former Real Madrid player. You know wants to get one on over the uh, city rivals, and there's so many good storylines in here. It's going to be a defensive battle, but I see I see one one. I, I think in this one, um, and Milan are more than capable of winning, like you said, especially after what they went through in Liverpool. One um, one. I'm I'm gonna stick with that. I, you know I want to say win, but I'm not completely there yet. So. I can definitely see them scoring on the road. So, yep. Or at home. All right. And then getting into Wednesday's games, Atalanta is hosting Young Boys. Young Boys coming off that shock 2 1 win over Manchester United. Man United getting a red card in that game. Um, Young Boys are basically lighting it up in the Swiss Super League. Uh, seemingly scoring. Yeah. Your, your boy. Um, but whenever there's a David Wagner team, 
<laughs> they they certainly are going to be adventurous and they're going to try to go forward, but it's going to be at the expense of their defending and they're going to they're going to concede goals like there's no tomorrow. And this is a great spot for Atalanta. I think that they will come out of this match day top of the group um, because a win here will do that for them. Uh, because I think that Man United will win at Old Trafford against Villarreal uh, so that Atalanta is going to head into those Man United games in first. I, man, I think they'll concede one, but I think that this is where they really get it off the ground. I'm going 4-1 to Atalanta. I think we're seeing, we're thinking of similar, uh, similar lines here. I actually think, uh, I agree. I think Atalanta will be in first place at the end of this match day. I think Villarreal is going to get a, uh, a draw against Manchester United. Uh, Manchester has not been playing well lately, and uh, Villarreal, they're, they're, they're a force to be reckoned with at times, um, as Atalanta saw last match day. I think, yeah, I think there's going to be goals in this. I can't trust the David Wagner team, no matter how good they're playing. It was great to watch them you know, beat uh, Manchester, Manchester United excuse me, last, last match day, but I can't trust David Wagner, and I'm sorry. So I'm going to go – I'm going to say there's going to be goals in this one. I'm going to say 4-2. I'm going to say 4-2. Okay. Not full on 4-2. Be a fun game to watch if you're a neutral and, and looking for something to watch on Wednesday. Definitely tune into this game because I think it'll be it'll be attacking. A game that will stand in contrast to Atalanta Young Boys, Juventus, and Chelsea. Yeah, ton of star power, ton of pedigree with the two club names. But it's one thing to score three goals at Spezia, three goals on Sampdoria. You got Chelsea coming to town with the way they play, with the way Tuchel has them set up. And when I look at this Juventus team, I don't see where the goals are coming against this Chelsea defense. And I think Chelsea are actually, and with the way Juve are defending, I can't think of anything else but Chelsea winning this game 1-0. I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be tense. I think it's going to be an odd goal, and I think it's going to be scored by Chelsea and uh, they will uh, take control of this group at this point. And Juve will be looking at those two games as Zenit as the against Zenit as the games that they must lock up to con- to confirm their uh, second place finish in this group. Interesting. Okay. No confidence in Juventus, huh? I say- I can't do it. I can't do it with the way with the way Chelsea defend with the way that Chelsea organize with the way they play. And I get that Juve are starting to score some goals now, but. These are they, they scored them on two defenses that they had struggles with. I mean, when you think about Milan, Milan's defense, and I don't want to make comparisons to Chelsea, but how did Juve score? They caught Milan very, very high, very, very out of position, and took advantage and scored a goal. After that, what did Juve create against Milan? Hardly anything. Okay, so now they're going to play, and that was at the J. And now they're at the J against the Chelsea team that you can argue is a better defensive outfit than Milan, which is a... A lot to say considering how well Milan defend, especially in Serie A. Um, I, I can't I, – I, I don't have the confidence. I think Chelsea, Chelsea win 1-0. All right, so they're, they're at the J, right? Yeah. I say 3-1 victory for Chelsea. I you don't, I, I, I don't see I don't see Juventus being able to handle Chelsea's pressure. It's going to be on, ongoing pressure despite Chelsea being on the road. Uh, I kind of agree with with Ali Oxenfree that, you know, Lukaku is going to be, you know – Trying to feast off of Juventus is not the strongest defensive Juventus we've seen in a while, um, and I think they're going to have this too much for for Juventus right now. Not to say that you know Juventus is going to be you know thrown away in this league. No, I think you know Juventus are going to eventually going to get to where they need to be in Champions League and Serie A. 
um, and still finish second in this group. But I think in this match day, I don't think they're there yet. I think they're going to lose 3-1. Okay, so... Um... Okay, so you think that they'll lose. Okay, you've got Inter winning. I've got Inter winning. I've got Milan winning. You've got a draw there, right? Correct. We've got Atalanta winning, and we've got Juve losing. Okay. All right, sounds good. So we're kind of on the same page. I just I think that Milan will find a way to nick it against Atletico Madrid. Yep. Uh, What that says about their long-term prospects of getting out of that group and qualifying – I'm not ready to make any commitments to that. I just have a feeling I have good vibes about Tuesday Milan finding a way to get the odd goal that beats Atletico Madrid and gets a famous win for them. So, um, all right. So that's that's where we're at. Interesting to see where everybody else is going to be at. Uh, quick scan of the Europa League contests that take place on Thursday, September 30th. Uh, Lazio, actually, let's start with Napoli. They're hosting Spartak Moscow. Spartak just aren't what they were. Um, You know, so yeah, they're going to win some games. They're going to come up with some results uh, in the, in the Russian league. I mean, right now they said eighth uh, played nine, 13 points. Um, You know, they're one of their city rivals. Dinamo is in second and you got Napoli who just came off of an inspiring draw at the King power. Um, and has played six and one. I, a Napoli, it depends on what Spalletti comes out with lineup wise because Europa League, you got to look at it and you got to say <clears throat> there could be some rotation here. But even with the rotation, I think Napoli have enough to win this game. I'll go 2 0 to Napoli. Yeah, I'm just looking over the lineups that um, Spalletti came out with against Leicester City, and it was a strong, strong lineup by them. I think I, I'm hoping he continues that, that same mentality against. Uh, against Spartak. Yeah, you know, Spartak can be difficult, but they haven't done it yet this season. Um, and it's Napoli's at home. You know, they, they really had a, an easier game, sorry, George, against Galliari. And so I think they're going to be ready for this one. Like you said, the, the game against Leicester City was, you know, a draw. Not many people outside of Italy predict, predicted a draw on this one. Um, and so they did, and they're going to play well. Hopefully, if they get this, you know, similar starting eleven as they did last last match day, I think Napoli are going to win this by two goals at least. Yep, I say two nothing. Okay, yep. So we're both we're both in agreement on a two nil result. Um, Lazio will host Lokomotiv Moscow, so we got two Moscow teams coming to Italy on Thursday. <laughs> uh, Lokomotiv battling at home to a one one draw against Marseille. Lazio with that. Strakoja Howler losing 1-0 at Galatasaray. Lokomotiv have some goods, man. Small office scoring goals. Uh, Gemma Leditinov, I think is how you pronounce it, playmaking midfielder. Francois Camano uh, coming over from the French League from Bordeaux. I've kind of rated him in the past. These guys are all going to give lots of some problems. I wonder if there's a little bit of a Darby della Capitale hangover. I'm actually going to say that there will be. And I see a very, very entertaining game. It also is going to depend on what Saudi puts out, you know, after that. So I'm going to say 2-2. I think this is going to be one people are going to – if you're looking for something to watch on Thursday, got nothing going on at, two, you know, 3 o'clock East, 2 o'clock Central. This might be one you want to check out. I think there's going to be a lot of attacking from both teams. Yeah, I, you know, I, I predict that Saudi is going to rotate some, not a lot. Um, still have a good amount of team. But I agree with you that – this is a trap game. This is a trap game. You had a yeah. huge victory against Roma. You're living a high off of that. Now you're looking, oh, Lokomotiv Moscow. Who the hell are they? 
Um, and yeah, you're going to be at home. So you're like, ah, we're, we don't have to travel. We don't have to worry. They're going to have to worry. I, I, I think it's going to be a game that's going to be a lot closer than it should be. Um, I think a score draw would be great for Lazio, considering we think it's a trap game. But I think Locomotive are going to sneak one. I, I do. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Because um, it was such a great result against Roma. But it's, it has all the makings of a trap game. It has yep. all the makings of a trap game after such a big game against Roma. So let's see. Hopefully we're wrong. With you. All right. So let's see what happens with those games. So I've got Napoli winning, Lazio drawing, and you've got Napoli winning. Do you have where do you have Lazio doing again? Losing. Losing. Okay. So you got Locomotive Moscow pulling off the upset. Okay. I'm gonna I two I, I got a two two draw in that game. I think that uh I think it'll be competitive. Uh and I think it'll be an ex- exciting game to watch. So so those are our predictions for Europe and and, and Roma's gonna beat whoever they play. So We'll just leave it at that in the conference yeah. league. And uh, at City, I sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Let us know what you think of those games. And now, Richard, for the moment that our listeners have been waiting for, and probably really the reason why George is here, because he's got a couple of nominees, I know for sure. So yeah. Yeah. it is time for the world's most famous hashtag game. Who won? Calcio, Twitter, Richard, lead us off. Let's lead us off with George. Why not? Huh? George kicks us off. He, uh, he got it at the end, just missed our cut last week. So he get into this week. Uh, and he wrote, uh, when you see how poor Juventus is doing and the club that you support is still worse than them. <laughs> <laughs> what a difficult time to be a, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, it's yeah. been difficult for Cagliari so far, and uh, the talent is there. It's just uh, it's crazy. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, uh, at official IFTV, which is Inter Tuidera, not the guys that somehow got a deal with Serie A. Um, Matias Fabrizio Romano. Matias Delic has a release clause into his contract with Juventus, and this is why Raiola spoke about his future. It will be valid starting from summer 2022 for 150 million. UVA are still hoping to keep him. Uh, so this guy said, "Didn't know handball teams could afford 150 million." <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yep, yep. Uh, let's see. Pastigate is into this one. Uh, it was all over the place. So uh, let's see. Let's see. <laughs> all right. So uh, the original tweak says uh, the Serratus interior muscles, no other football, and, and world football has it crafted as most Salah, talking about his abs. Uh, and someone says, uh, fella loves Salah so much that he created a new muscle and studied his body. He goes, ain't those ribs? He goes, it's actually a stack of uncooked circle pasta. pasta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. goodness me. Goodness me, poor guy with the – and look, I mean, I should probably speak about this. I said I only know the pasta that I cook, you know, but I know there's so many other different variations, and we're, we're going to see a lot of this. But anyway, yeah. Um, at Pep Romano, uh, classifica di Serie a la quattro giornata. So using the uh, creases in Spalletti's forehead to illustrate that Napoli are top of the table – on the top crease and working downward. That's creative. It is. It is. (laughs) I think we'll put that one uh, as a contender. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see what this, let's see if this is, we can read this one. Um, So this pasta gate is still going. This is what happens when you don't have Juve at the top anymore. (laughs) At Manolo 23. Nicely played. Nicely played. Yes. Yes. I nominated that one. Um, (laughs) <laughs> this is a good one. Too. Art Morelli 
When is he not on the board? I know. <laughs> We're talking about pasta. We're talking about pasta. We ain't talking about the game. We're talking about pasta, man. Hashtag Pastagate. Uh, okay, for those of you that aren't in the loop, let's just clear clear the air here. Paramount Plus uh, in studio, and I think that they had turned to Marco Messina from IFTV, who gets to be in this uh, panel for some reason. Um, and they were talking about his favorite pasta dishes and stuff like that. And, and he's talking about El Forno. And he was trying – he couldn't remember the name of the pasta. He just called it Circle Pasta. So – and he has gotten a metric shit ton of run for not knowing the name of the pasta that he enjoys. And to be fair, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough question. I think anybody on that spot would have put it – I mean, like you mentioned, how many of us know all the pastas in the world? Not, not, not many of us. You know, that's a difficult spot. <laughs> I know the ones that I, I, know the ones that I go right. to for cooking. You know exactly. for sure, exactly. and then I know a few after that that I normally don't even normally don't even deal with. But yeah. you know, it's what it I is. Like, let me text my wife and find out. <laughs> I mean, and it's one of those where you can have a good old fashioned ribbing about it and have some good time. There were some people out here that were real, real, yeah, yeah, you know, miserable pricks about it. So yeah, we're not about that. No, yeah, we, we we we'll look at the ones that poked fun and had fun with it. So. All right. right, moving on. Let's see. Uh, the next one comes from uh, Nima. Says Nico yeah. Gonzalez probably said, "I hope your wife burns you circle pasta dinner." That's <laughs> why <laughs> Nico Gonzalez got a red card in the game in the midweek, I believe. Oh, with all the clapping, yeah, with yeah, all the clapping yeah, and, yeah. And, and all of that. Yep. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, at Martino Puccio, midweek uh, City I action, huge relegation battle between Juventus and Spezia. Yep, relegation six pointer. Mm-hmm. A relegation six pointer. Yep. All right. Uh, <laughs> this is a funny one. Got a lot of replies. Also, Martino says. Uh, so the original tweet is uh, Omar said, uh, "What the what the what the f is this guy doing here? Is Perisic uh, Perisic at the Milan uh, Venezia game?" And so Martino says, uh, "Perisic when he forgets to switch accounts." <laughs> <laughs> Put that one in the clubhouse. That's a, that's in the that's in that leader right there. That's that's that that might be the leader. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um, all right, so uh, Jossie is on the board. Actually, Uncle Sharma reporting it. No way Jossie just scored he versus Juve and celebrated <laughs> with a sue against Juventus. Yeah, I like that when I saw that. that I just great. I laughed my ass off. I thought that, that was, was great. great. That was great. All right. <laughs> All right, next one comes in from Milan Weekly Podcast uh, in reference to Pasta Gate and says, says uh, one third, what what a weekend of uh, City I action. Calcio was sauced up with lots of action, loads of action. What stole the show was Pasta Gate, where our American friends forgot their favorite pasta. As a checklist to avoid this from happening again, Milan Weekly Podcast put together Pasta Gate FC. So in goal, you had Orecchetti, and uh, defense, you got Regatoni, Tortalini, Fettuccini, Linguini. Midfield, you got uh, Fusili, Ravioli, Lasagna, and Talia- Tagliatelle. And then up top, you got Manacotti and then Gemelli. And obviously, there were some, there were some more tweets about this going on and on and on. But uh, well done by Milan Weekly Podcast to uh, get all the pastas and starting to love in there, Frank. Yeah, but it's not particularly functional. We know Lasagna is a striker. Yeah, so. there's a lot of chats, chats about that going back and forth, yeah. functional or not, it was. Yeah, I mean, I would probably have Rigatoni as a center back. Look how thick that is. Yeah. Um, you know, Linguini certainly belongs on the on uh, as a fullback, as is Tagliatelli as a winger. Fusili, I would probably, and, and I like the idea. I like the shot of Tortellini uh, as a center back, but I mean, Ravioli can kind of do the holding in the midfield, and um, 
you know, but I think that Fusili should probably be more central. It's just, those are just my takes on, you know, based on the shape, thickness and, and things like that. You know what I mean? So I liked it. That was good. That was good. Very clever. All right. At AC Milan, Michael looks like Juve got the hashtag slump buster they needed (laughs) yesterday. uh, Reference to Alex Dono's comment about Juventus when he was on our show last week. Yep. Very well done, Michael. All right, let's see. Um, uh, Okay, Uh, Gianni Delacalle from the Coucher Guys. uh, Cheap Photoshop made by yours truly. And is De Laurentiis pointing at Juventus at 12th spot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I like it. All right, moving on. Uh, (laughs) Once again, Art Morelli, The Notebook, 2004, (laughs) with the, the, the new cover of the DVD for The Notebook. So <laughs> that's good. That's actually very funny. It is. it is. Those of you that uh those of you that are men that have significant others and have had to endure sitting down and watching the notebook, you'll really you should appreciate that one. <laughs> that was very good. He doesn't start there though. Uh, Art with the next one here. He goes, uh Act two, scene four, Main Street, Ellicott City, which is near me. Uh, he this is him saying, uh, "Should I roll down my window and scream merda at this this dude in a Juve shirt?" Wife says, "No, thank you." He says, "Rolls down window, Juve merda." Wife says, "I thought you would set more sophisticated example for your kids in the back." And then him with a wry smile. <laughs> <laughs> like it, uh, like it. All right, uh, at statutos underscore underscore. Where have you been? Uh, oh. At finally, Kais. Am I supposed to click this tweet here? Is that what I'm supposed to do? Yeah, yeah. So the original tweet was was from Kais. Uh, so uh, you want to? you want to read it? Yeah, read it? can't wait to see the photo. Can't wait to see that photo. It was in response. Okay. Maldini scores, and I'll shave my hair like O2 Ronaldo. And then he scored. <laughs> yep. Okay, I see where and this then, was going. Yeah, and then AC Milan, the actual accountant, responded back. Can't wait to see that photo. Called him out in front of everybody. And he yeah. made some excuse about he can't do it or whatever, but that was great that the account actually uh, chimed in on that. That is good. All right, Uncle Sharma coming in with this one. Uh, he does enters defense whenever the ball is on Malinowski's left foot. <laughs> yep. Hair all over the place, worried. Uh, yep. Worst game from screen yard so far this season. Mm-hmm. Power for the course. Uh, at Davide FM 1899. Uh a uh, spoof of the uh, Nevermind album cover of Nirvana. Dolaruma, faccio quello che dice Mino. <laughs> I do what Mino tells me. <laughs> uh, this one is a good one here from Art Vandelay at Tony Malay 7 says, uh, it's Nedved looking into the glass mirror and says, he's talking to himself, you're handsome, you're smart, you're funny, you're kind, you're tough, you're sincere, you are successful. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, that. Uh, I do too. Um, Alistair McKenzie, uh, since Pepe Reina won Serie A Goalkeeper of the Year, he's turned into Serie A Goalkeeper of the Year. That's all right. It's all right. Lazio getting uh, trying to get one in after their win. Yeah, you got the win. It's all right. Oh, it's just because right. they just because they won today. Yep. Okay. All right, George with another nomination uh, says, uh, "Kranja, that wasn't a grenade in the 37th minute. Call you lucky. It's still zero <laughs> one." Uh, <laughs> uh, Oops! And George's all over this Cali game, huh? 
All right. Uh, will Cagliari ever win this season a, uh, a gif of uh, Stephen Colbert? I'm begging you, please. <laughs> and final nomination, uh, Joe Uccello nominates, of course, Art Morelli. And it's uh, Bonetti holding Cliff Esmoyal's hand, who Cliff was in the chat earlier. And uh, Bonetti looking at IFTV Marco like, ooh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that Calcio Cappuccino, I think that might have won it there for me. <laughs> You're going with that one for the win? I don't know. It's, it's up there. Let me look. Uh, let's see. Which one you got? Uh, that one's all right. Um, yeah. I don't want, you know, I like Bonetti. I like Bonetti. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to throw a shade at him too much. The notebook was great. Um, the notebook is probably there. Um, Parasnitch, Martino laughing at Parasnitch was pretty funny. I think that's the one for me, to be <laughs> honest. I think that was great. I got near a thousand likes too. So, I mean, yeah. Let me see here. Um, that's his third win now, Puccio. Is it, man? Look at him. He's pretty good at this thing. And the funniest thing, too, was Parasnitch, like, within, like, half hour, responded back. He's like, no no way you dropped 250 likes on this in a half hour on my head. And then it kept going on and on. <laughs> I remember seeing that. Where is oh, Where did I put where – did, where did that go? I don't know. Let me see here. I – Oh, that's good. All right. Are we, are we in agreement, though, that that's the winner? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll go with that. Okay, Martino, congratulations, my friend. Third third win for you, I believe. Um, if I can just find the damn thing. Um, <laughs> ah, here it is. Okay, got it. All right, Martino, congratulations from us at City. I sit down once again. You are winners. You are the winner of Who Won Culture Twitter this week. No, uh, no entries from Napoleon Ismo this week. No, he had a lot last week, though. He had been killing had it for everybody. a while. Art had enough for everybody. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, same with uh, same with George. George as well, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, well, while you uh, do that, I'm going to look ahead to the next games coming up this weekend after the Champions League. Uh, some big games. we got the Turin Derby, Torino hosting Juventus, Sassuolo, the bogey team playing, their, playing Inter. That's going to be a tasty one there. Sampdoria Udinese is going to be an interesting game, as is Fiorentina Napoli. Um, and then, of course, Atalanta Milan. That's going to be a big game, too. Some, some big games next weekend. Yep. Um, some derbies. It's going to be this is going to be a fun weekend going ahead here. We're coming after Champions League, where all the uh, Champions League teams are, or Champions League and Europa League teams are playing big teams. So it's a, it's a big week for all of them here. So let's see how they, uh, they make out of this one. Yep. Um, it's uh yeah I mean and we got the European games this week it's 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 going to be crazy and then I believe it's an international break right after this yeah I think um, so uh, so you know we'll see how that goes um yeah we, we got to remain off during the international break because that's why Italy has this long winning streak we've just kind of not yeah. true it's because of us don't mess so, with the jinx the streak yep yep don't mess with the jinx okay so with that we're gonna put a bow. On this edition of City, I sit down only two-thirds of the amount of time we took as we did last week. So, uh, Richard, plug away. Uh, you can follow me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N anywhere on social media. Awesome. You can find me at FTC underscore 21. They moved, You moved the thing on me with your new decorations. So I'm glad I got it right this time. Um, City, I sit down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and on SoundCloud. Uh, please go and subscribe to either to one subscribe to both it doesn't matter to us uh also uh can be found on stitcher 
uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere you can find uh, podcasts, you can find City House Sit Down. Uh, at City House Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram, uh, provide some comments, some questions, anything you want to see uh, for future podcasts, we'd be happy to help cover. Uh, can also be found on Facebook a little bit as well. So please check us out uh, in the chat there. So uh, chat. Awesome stuff. Thank you very much for uh, jumping in and uh, participating. Uh, and uh, to all of you listening, thank you guys as always. Uh, it is uh, It has been a blast. It has been fun to sit and talk to Calcio. It was a wild weekend. It finishes up with Venezia and Torino tomorrow, um, which uh, real quickly I uh, am going to call a 2-1 win for Torino uh, on the road as much as I am still trying to bang the drum for Venezia to survive because I want to see those beautiful kits in Serie A for another season. But uh, I think that Torino have been playing really well under Jodic and are going to find a way to get this done. So let's uh, call it a night, shall we? For Richard, I'm Frank. As always, thank you for listening to Serie A. Sit down and make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.